Good morning, church. Um, I don't say this probably enough, but I was noticing as I was watching Thomas as he hosted, we don't actually hang up the microphones. Uh, dangle. I just, we're not that cool. Feels kind of like an American Idol uh, audition a little bit. But anyway, I am so glad to be here. I am so glad uh, to be here with you. And can I say one thing before we get started? I, I guess I'm going to say it anyway. But um, I am grateful for you. I am so, not just for the opportunity to, to serve you as pastor, but but more than that, to just be a part of this church family. You guys have been a huge blessing to me, to my family. I know that as we've walked through Ephesians so many times, I've found myself, this, this book kind of calls us to examine ourselves, examine our church, and I've done that a lot as we've walked through this the last couple of weeks. And, and as I did, I just want, I'm so grateful for you. I want to give a shout out to my community group because you guys are awesome. Um, it has been God has used you guys in such a big way. I look forward to being able to come here every Sunday and to do this. And so with that said, uh, let's jump into our text this, this morning. Um, I want to give you a fair warning as we do. This is going to be an extremely difficult scripture to look at without feeling challenged. So feel warned on that. Let's jump in. Uh, verse 11, uh, chapter 4. Um, it says this, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Uh, so God has given the people of God, apostles, prophets, evangelists, uh, shepherds, teachers, all distinct, all important roles. Here's, the, here's where he starts, though. God has provided the people of God with key leaders, okay? So God has put in the people of God these leaders, verse 12, for what? Verse 12 says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So let's stop there before we go. Um, a couple things I want to point out from this before we go any further. Uh, the first thing is that God gave leaders to his people to equip the saints for ministry, not um, to do the ministry while the saints watch or while the saints applaud or critique at, at times. Um, he didn't give God's people, God did not provide God's people with leaders so that they could do the work of the ministry. This text says he gave leaders to the church so that they're able to pour into the church and equip the saints to do the work. So let's make this personal. I believe God has called me here God has brought me here. He's brought the leadership of this church here. He's placed in us a responsibility to pour into you, to equip you for, for ministry. Um, that's our role. That's our responsibility. So at the end of the day, at the end of our life, we're going to stand before Jesus one day. And we're going to give an account for the way that we have done that. The way we've led you, the way we've loved you, the way we have equipped you to do the work that God has called you to do. Uh, Hebrews 13, I believe it's 17, says that one day that we will stand before God and give an account. We're going to give an account for the way that we have led you. That's our calling in the body of Christ. That's my calling in the body of Christ. Hear me, it's no greater than yours. Let's, let's read about yours. Uh, let's talk about yours. Um, your role and think about this, your calling, God has called you in, in his infinite wisdom. 
God has, has called you, chose you to accomplish his work. That, that Just let that sink in. God has chosen you to accomplish his work. We've said this before. You are the plan and there is no plan B. There's no one coming behind you to do the cleanup work for the things that you were called to do, that you are the plan, that God has designed a plan for you. It's yours, and there's no backup plan. There's no contingency plan. It's, it's you. It's you. Uh, meaning that just as I said that, that one day we, uh, as the leadership here at Stone Oak, will stand before God and give an account for the way that we have led you, the way we have equipped you, Together, we, church, are going to stand before Jesus and give an account for the way that we have used the things that he has given us, our time, our gifts, our abilities, our resources. We are going to stand before Jesus and give an account for the way that we have used the things that he has provided us to use, that we will give an account. Um, We can think of it like this. Coming to a, a church, this church, for example, that preaches this, that believes this, is nothing like having tickets to a Spurs game, okay? It's nothing like that, because where you walk in, you, you spectate the players, you cheer them on, you yell at the court occasionally, you're enjoying the atmosphere of the arena, you're enjoying the nachos, you're enjoying being a fan, right? The church is not like that, not like that uh, at all. You are not the fans cheering for the professional Christians on the court. That's not your role. That's not our role. You walk into the AT&T Center, and you're handed a jersey, and you go to the locker room, and you suit up. Then you walk out onto the court, and don't worry, you've been given the abilities of LeBron in that moment. The wingspan of Leonard, it's impressive. You've got it. And you walk out onto the court, and you play the game. That's yours. That's your calling. The church is like that. And in many ways, the church leadership becomes like the coaching staff um, in, in, in a strange way, equipping you so that you have the necessary tools to play the game. Um, so the first thing, I'll put it like this. Jesus does not call fans. He calls followers. Jesus does not call fans. He calls followers. He's not hiring for fans. He calls followers. We're going to get back to this. The first thing, though, that we see is that God gave leaders to equip the saints for the work of ministry. The second thing that I want to talk about is the word ministry. So it it says that, that God gave leaders to equip the saints for the work of ministry. What is that? Um, let me say this. If you're new here, normally I am not going to be the pastor who's going to drop Greek words on you every week. It just, it, it won't be me. Um, most of the time, it's just not all that helpful, uh, to be honest, because we've had some faithful men and women who have taken those languages from the Hebrew, Koine Greek, and translated them faithfully to English. And you can be confident that when you hold this You're holding the word of God. Uh, So typically, I'm not going to drop Greek Greek words on you. Uh, But there are times that when you're reading the scriptures, um, doing what a word study is helpful. 
And I believe this is one of those, those times where we can gain a little bit of a further understanding. So the Greek word here for ministry is di- diakonos, which is the word that we get, if you've been in church for a while, the word deacon comes directly from this word. So this word, we translate this word, it is our word for serving. It's the word for servant. It's the word to serve. And so if we bring that back and we, we read it in that context, and I'll explain why that's important, God has given the people of God leaders to equip them for the work of serving, which helps us understand what Paul's talking about here. Because when you read this, Paul is not calling the people of God to launch official and formal ministries in the church. That's not what's in view here. And don't get me wrong, church ministries are great. But Paul is talking about something so much bigger. He's talking about the way each of us serve each other, serve our community, and serve our world. It's important to see this now because further in the text, it's going to become even more more important. So God has given leaders to equip them for the work of serving. So if we make it personal, God has given leaders to you to equip you for the work of serving. Let's move further. In the second half of, of verse 12, it says, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So again, Paul says, unity. We strive for, we press toward unity. And remember, um, Unity is not uniformity. It's not saying that we all look the same, think the same, dress the same, all the same age, the same stage of life. No, no. Unity is diversity united in our faith in Christ. And we've talked about this the last several weeks. Um, But as we do this, as we serve, as we're built together into the body, as as we attain unity, we do this toward what? Well, Paul says mature manhood. Mature manhood. We're given this image of a mature man. Not just in age, but in wisdom. And I picture a dude with a beard. I don't know why, I just do. Um, Do you know someone in your life right now who you just think, they're wise. They're wise. They have experience, they have wisdom, they have strength, that toughness. Well, Paul paints the picture, as the church does all these things, that we grow into that image We grow into that, mature, wise, strong. Um, Paul gives us a really confusing sentence here at the end. He says, growing into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It's a sentence full of prepositional phrases that is a bit of a a tongue twister. Um, I want you to think of it like this. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of, of Christ. Okay, so we, be, we mature into manhood and we, we measure up to the full and complete standard of, of Christ. And as we do this, verse 14, we are mature so that we are no longer, so that no longer we are children. We grow up so that no longer that we are children. Um, and some of you are probably wondering, wait, I thought Jesus said it was good to be like a child. Now you're telling me, don't be like a child. What, what's going on here? There's a difference between being childish and, and childlike faith. Does that make sense? So there's a difference between childlike faith and childish immaturity. Childlike faith is where we trust our Lord simply, completely, and fully, like a child would trust their parent. 
childish immaturity is what's about to be described for us in this text. So let's look at the way it's described. It says, tossed to and fro by the waves, carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So we're tossed around. Let me give you an example of what um, this could look like. So this week, our preaching team, we met, and when we got to this verse, I asked, what are some of the winds and the waves that hit us as a community? Hit us as a church, hit us as the American church, more specifically, here in San Antonio. What do we see? What are some of the winds and some of the waves? And as we put this list up, my heart broke. Because as the list went up, I could literally think of individuals by name that represent the things that were going up on our sheet. Um, more than that, I could think of churches by name who were being hit with the things that we were, we were putting on the screen. So to help you get kind of an idea of what we're talking about, let me give you the most common one. This might show you a little bit of what, what I'm talking about. Um, one of the most common ones was, was something called postmodernism. Is anyone familiar with postmodernism? So maybe you're not familiar with the term. I would guess you're familiar with the belief, though. Let me, let me describe um, postmodern. Postmodernism says what's right for you is right for you. What's right for me is right for me. There's no absolute truth, right? We're all on our personal quests for truth, and that quest is yours, and it's not okay for you to impose your views on other people. Let them discover the truth. Not only that, it's intolerant. It would be intolerant for you to claim that your truth is the only way. Like, how dare you? There, there are many roads, there are many roads, and we're all on our own personal journeys to truth, right? To our own truth. Does that sound familiar? I believe we've, we've experienced that. Um, that is postmodernism. Each of us experiencing some of the truth, experiencing uh, our own version of the truth. And, and so, church, first of all, this is baloney. Uh, it is. Um, Well-intentioned, maybe, baloney. Um, logically and scripturally. So logically, what happens when my truth says your truth is false? Uh, what happens when truths collide? Logic tells us that something can't both be true and false at the same time, right? Logically, this does not make sense. More than that, though, Scripturally, postmodernism, postmodernity clashes with the teachings of Jesus often. Um, Jesus didn't say, I am a way, and I am a truth, and I am a life. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus clashes heavy with postmodernity. And as Christians, we believe that God has spoken clearly through his word. We may know in part now. We may see in part now. Everything's going. But rest assured, there is an absolute truth. As Christians, we believe that there is an absolute truth. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. And Jesus is the way. Absolute. And that's what the Bible teaches. And church, postmodernism is a wave. 
So going back to our text, postmodernism is a wave that we feel in our church that's crashing into churches. And I know churches that are being crushed under this wave. And here's what it looks like. Um, I know churches who have changed their message to one that's a little safer. I know churches who have changed their messages to messages more of good advice, um, good life lessons, uh, wise living, good morals. Hear me, nothing's wrong with good morals or good advice or wisdom in life. Nothing is wrong with those. But good advice is not the good news. Good advice is not the good news, and good advice cannot replace the gospel. And so with this wave in mind, let's go back to, to our, our text. Paul says, be equipped for serving, build up into the body of Christ, grow into maturity so that you're not tossed by these waves. And these people that are tossed, they don't have a foundation, there's no maturity in Christ, and they're not able to see the, the waves even coming. They're not able to see the false doctrines coming. And let's continue. Paul says, I don't want this to be the reality in this church. And so he says in, in the next verse, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So Paul says, rather, grow up. Grow up in every way. And he says, speaking the truth in love. So as those false doctrines come our way, as they come into our community, as they come into our church, what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to speak into these winds and waves in love that we are to see and identify the winds and we are to speak in love, not hate, not frustration, but to speak in love. So one quick observation before we go further. To speak the truth in love means that we know the truth. That makes sense? So to speak the truth means we know the truth. So I'd like to make a commitment to you. And then I'd like to challenge you with two things, okay? So here's my commitment. This church will be a place where you can be equipped. This church will be a place where you can be equipped. Our, like our text says, that you'll be equipped in the truth, that you can grow, that you can mature in your faith. My commitment to you is that I, that we as the leadership of Stone Oak, that we are committed and fully invested into your growth, um, we can't grow for you, but we can do everything. We are fully committed to do everything in our power to provide you with the very best tools that we can to help you grow, to help you mature, to help you be equipped. Um, honestly, this is why our Sunday mornings look the way they do. Uh, we feel like the best use of our time is, is when we simply go through God's word. Because if we do this, then hopefully as you leave here, that you have the tools in your hand to be able to do the same. This is why, one of the reasons why we, why we just open our Bibles on Sunday mornings. This is one of the reasons that we value community groups so much. Because we believe that true maturity happens in community. This is why we value it so much. So we are firmly, fully, completely committed to helping you grow here at Stone Oak, and that's our commitment to you. Now let me challenge you with two things. You ready? No. <laughs> First challenge, don't be content with staying where you are. 
This is a daily take up your cross and follow him. This is a daily walking in the spirit. Um, think, of a, think of it like a marathon. I love running, so you're going to have to excuse me when I use running analogies. Um, Paul did, so there. Um, <laughs> um, having, it's like having a goal to run a marathon. So a marathon is 26.2 miles. 26.2 miles. And so if you were just beginning to run, this is an absolutely daunting goal. It's an absolutely daunt, unless you are just like a ridiculously gifted natural athlete, um, you could not physically accomplish this as a beginning runner. You would hurt yourself. Like, it's, it's just a daunting goal. So what do you do? You train. You train. You start where you are. Uh, you get out and you just run. And, and you increase your mileage slowly over time. You get out. You consistently get up get out, go run. Because running a marathon is like 0.001% natural ability and like 99.999% consistency. Get up, go run. So that's what you do. You, you get up and you go run. Now, if you were to, in week two of your training, to get up and try to go run 26.2 miles, you would hurt yourself. You would be discouraged. But as the training continues, as the weeks, as the miles, as they add up, one day marathon day is going to come, and you're going to find yourself crossing the finish line um, not crippled, which is a good thing. Uh, doing something that you would not have been able to do months earlier doing something that was not possible for you because of the training. Well, our walk with Christ as a Christian, discipleship is a lot like that. Discipleship is a lot like that in that it is a start where you are training program. Okay, you start where you are, you get up, you get at the, the days, the miles, they add up, and you're going to see yourself growing in the faith, maturing in Christ. It's all about the process. It's all about that process. And so we cannot, because this is true, be content with staying where we are. We cannot be content with staying where you are. It's like if our goal is the marathon and, and when we started, we could run maybe a quarter of a mile. Now we can maybe get to seven. That doesn't mean stop at seven. It means we keep growing in our faith. We keep pressing on. We're not content if we become content with staying where we are, we will grow stagnant. We will lose our vitality. Um, this is especially true for those who have been walking with the Lord a long period of time. Um, that, that we've had the opportunity for some of us to experience great discipleship. We've heard the sermon. We've read the book. We've, read the, we, we've taken the classes. We've taught the classes. Um, and it's this, I'll put it like this, it's the mindset of a child to think we've arrived, to think we know it all. That's like one of the characteristics of a child is I think I know it all. I think I've got it. I think I know it all. But true maturity never arrives. It always knows that there is more growing to take place. It's continually committed to growth. So it is completely possible for us as a church to have all the head knowledge and experience in the world and have the heart of a child. 
It's completely possible for us to have the mindset of a child, to think we have arrived, to think we know it all, that we no longer need to grow as much as the others. Church, this is not maturity. That is immaturity with a lot of head knowledge. That is immaturity. Um, No matter where you are, don't settle and think that it's okay for you to stop growing now, that your formative years are behind you. Don't let the enemy put that in your mind. No matter who you are, no matter how old you are, no matter how long you've been following the Lord, God has something new for you because I promise you have not exhausted the knowledge of our infinite God. I promise you. Uh, Albert Einstein, I love this quote. He said this once. The more I know, the more I realize how much I don't know. The more I know, the more I realize how much I don't know. This is so true. And this is huge when, it's, when it comes to us being mature. Because this is maturity. Knowing we will not arrive, we have not arrived. And we're not content with staying where we are. Let's look at the second thing. My second challenge to you is don't wait until you arrive before you begin. It's logical, right? Don't wait until you arrive before you begin. Um, If the call of God were to wait until you're completely ready, completely matured, completely and fully ready to conquer it, before you begin to serve, before you step in to speak, then none of us, including myself or any leader at this church, would be serving or speaking. Uh, we We just wouldn't. You will never arrive at a place where you are fully and completely prepared, fully matured, until the day that you see Jesus face to face, when you look into perfection. That'll be the first time. Until then, we stand shoulder to shoulder with each other. We stand shoulder to shoulder with others who are in process. We stand shoulder to shoulders with, with people who are in process. We still, if you're here and you think, well, I've got a lot of growing to do. If you were to look around right now, you're in great company. You are in great company. You'll fit in really well here. Um, I'll put it like this. God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. God does not call those who are fully equipped. He he equips those who he has called. And what we just read, church, you've been called. You have been called to speak, to serve, to go, and he will equip you. Don't wait until you arrive at perfection to get in the game because it'll be too late and life is too short for that. You don't get a do-over. You don't get a do-over. Um, just ask before we go further, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You were called, empowered, equipped by God himself. And so what, what is it that we're waiting for? And as we as a church, as we commit ourselves to this, to continually growing, maturing in Christ, commit ourselves to grow in our ability to speak truth and love. Here's what happens. Let's continue. Verse 16. We're talking about Christ here. It says, uh, from whom the, the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. 
when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So as we do this, we form the, the whole body. The whole body grows um, as it builds itself up in love. Hear me, this is huge because maturity and growth is not something that you have for you to simply sit and enjoy alone. You don't reach maturity so that you can just love being mature in the privacy of your home. You, maturity is all about the body and sharing it with the body as a whole so that we mature together, growing up as a healthy body, a healthy church together. And I love this clarification. I love this clarification that Paul says. He says, we're joined together. When each part is working properly, that's when each part is working properly. I love this because it just begs the question are you working properly? Are, are we working properly? Um, going back to my running analogy earlier, uh, my first race that I ever did, <clears throat> I was grossly undertrained. And I, I just was not prepared. It was brutal. It was terrible. Um, I hadn't trained enough. And so what I did is I brilliantly, I thought, well, let me just cram it in right at the end. And uh, because I did that, I remember on race day, I had I, hurt my knee. I got something that's called runner's knee, which is terrible. Uh, it's just absolutely terrible. It, it um, I had to take several weeks off, months off of running as it, as it healed because my knee was just not working properly. Like it made running torture. And some of you are like, running is torture. <laughs> it's not though, okay? <laughs> um, it made something that I once enjoyed something that I absolutely dreaded, something I absolutely dreaded. And the same thing can happy, happen in the body of Christ. If there is an injury or a part of the body that's not working Properly, it impacts the entire body. Have, has any of you had a toothache? It's kind of like that. Like, my, my foot might not be hurting when I have a toothache, but because of that toothache, I'm on lockdown. Like, just lockdown. And it's a little bit like that because this, this is why Paul talks about unity so much in this passage. Because every member impacts the whole. Every member impacts the entire body. And so as a church, are we working properly? And to answer this, I want to ask a question to help us. The question is, what are the signs that we are working properly together? I want to give you three. From this text, I want to give you three signs that we are working properly together as a, as a church, uh, as, as individuals, but collectively as a church. As I state these three things, I want us to examine ourselves. Okay? I want us to examine ourselves and I want us to ask ourselves the tough question is, do I see these signs in myself, in my community? Do I see these signs? And, and so let's start with the first one. Uh, sign number one is a progress toward maturity. <clears throat> a progress toward maturity. So we've already talked about this, this, this morning, but a sign of a church that's working together properly is that we are seeing growth in ourselves and in others. So a sign that we are working together properly is if you can look around and see growth taking place. And so are you seeing growth 
Are you seeing growth in yourself? Are you seeing growth in each other? Are you seeing signs of growth in your community group? Are you seeing signs of growth in, in the conversations uh, that you've had with others here? Are you seeing signs of growth and maturity in yourself? A better question would be, if I were to ask some of your closest friends, maybe your spouse, would they say that they see signs of growth and maturity in you? Um, if the answer is yes, this is a sign one of the signs that we are working properly together as the body of Christ. If the answer is no, shame, no, um, <laughs> then we should see this as a sign. It's time to lean in. This should be a warning sign at that moment that, there, that we need to lean in to see change. Let me give you the second sign. The second sign is this, unity in Christ. So we've talked about this uh, in good de detail over the past several weeks. That one of the most defining, distinguishing moments uh, or uh, aspects about the church, one of the most beautiful things, one, one of the things that sets us apart as a church is that there is unity in Christ. No matter who you are, where you come from, your race, your, your age, your gender, your job, no matter what, we stand together unified in the body of Christ. We have unity in the body of Christ. Um, in that a world that is broken with struggles, with racial tension, with conflict, that they can look at the church and say, wow, something is different. We've talked about that. That that is unity um, in Christ. Unity in Christ. And remember, like I said, not uniformity. That we're all the same age. That we're all in the same stage of life. That we're not all the same race. No, no, no. But that we're united as a church. So here's the question. Do you see unity in our church? Do you see unity in the church? Do you see in us that we have a common bond, a common thread, that we are united in Christ? In your conversations with, uh, with others, are you talking about each other in love? Um, are you looking out for each other? Are you assuming the best in each other? Or are you creating disunity, assuming the worst in each other, talking less than positively about each other, more interested in our own interest in our own interests and reputation, even if it's at the expense of some, at the expense of someone else? Um, unity is a sign that we are working properly together. And so do we have a spirit of unity in our church? Do you have a spirit of unity in your life? If the answer is yes, let this be an encouragement. If the answer to those questions is uh, maybe not, um, this needs to be a challenge to you. Because like we said last week, hear me, the problem is not them. The problem is me. The problem is not them. Fix them. Let them get better. The problem is you. The problem is, is us. And so this should be a challenge for us to look and, and to check ourselves. And so the first sign is a progress toward maturity. The second is a unity in Christ. And the third is this, mutual edification. Our text says, so that it, the body, builds what? Itself up in love. Uh, meaning that the body builds itself up. 
Not that the body waits to be built up, not that it blames others for not being built up, but that the body takes ownership and builds up the body. It's mutual edification. We actively engaged in building each other up in Christ. And so let's ask ourselves, are we doing that? Are you, personally, let's start there, actively engaged in building people up around you? Are we as a church actively engaged in building each other up? Are we, are we looking for opportunities to build each other up? Do we even know enough about each other to build each other up? Are we looking to build each other or are we tearing each other down? Or are we waiting for some leader to step in and finally bring some unity here? You know? Um, are we instruments of edification or are we more resembling a wrecking, wrecking ball? Um, are we a church who mutually builds each other up? If yes, this is a sign that we're working properly together as the body of Christ. And we should be encouraged. If no, if the answer is no, uh, then this needs again to be a challenge. And a challenge that, uh, we'll just go ahead and throw this out here. If, if the answer is no, before you walk out of here, before you leave this place, before you go to your car, find someone and build them up. Then your answer could be yes. If you're, if you're new with us, if you're a guest here and you're saying, well, that's great, but I know no one here. So uh, that's okay. I'll give you kind of a pass. Find someone in your life and step into it today. And I'll push it a little further. Get to know someone here. So in two weeks, if I give the same challenge, you'll be able to do it. How about that? So lean in now. Lean in now. Build up someone here now. I want to end with this because here's, here's the point uh, this morning. And I hope this comes, I think this will come out right. Are you ready? Um, the church is not something that exists to make you happy. The church is not something that exists to make you happy. We don't exist to make you happy. And more than that, you don't want a church that exists to make you happy. You don't want that. It's puny and it's not worth getting out of bed for. It's really not. We exist to bring as much glory to God as possible. And as part of that, our goal is, is not to make you happy, but to make you useful and equipped and built up for the work of serving. Our goal is to point you to Jesus and to give you tools so that you can point others to Jesus. That's, that's our goal. That's why we exist. And so my hope is, is that we, as we read this, that it begins to Something shifts in the way we view the church. And, and I'll say it like this. We are not consumers of the church. We are participants together as the church. We are not consumers of the church. Rather, we are participants together as the church. And as such, you have a role, you have a place, no matter. You are not simply a fan. I mean, having fans are awesome, Kind of. That's not what you're called to. Uh, that is, God's not hiring spectators, and he's not looking for fans. He's looking for followers, members of his body. That is the call. Um, and so here, here is the challenge. Lean in. If you have been waiting 
to commit to membership, lean in. If you have been waiting to commit to a community group, lean in. If you have been waiting to commit to just step in and start serving, lean in. If you've been waiting to commit to start giving, lean in. If you've been waiting to commit to forming real and lasting relationships, lean in. Um, If you've been waiting to step into a calling that you know God has put on your heart, but you've been waiting, lean in. God has revealed that plan to you for a reason. You are the plan. There's no plan B. No one else is coming. It's yours. Let's lean in together as a church. Let me pray for us. God, I don't pretend to to understand your ways and how it is that you have chosen to use people like me to accomplish your work. I don't understand it, but I thank you for it. So often I don't feel qualified to be on your team, but you have told me of my worth. And you have told me that when I'm weak, you're strong. And you have told me that you have given me gifts and abilities to accomplish all that you've called me to do. You've told me this. And in you, I am more than equipped, more than a conqueror to accomplish all the things that you have put in my life. And so as a church, I pray that that is, that you open our eyes and our hearts to that. That we as a church, God, I can't even imagine the impact that we could have if we grab hold of the fact that we are called, we are chosen, and we are equipped as a people to accomplish things that we can't even fathom for your glory. And so I I pray in these moments that, that you would show us your plan for our lives, that we are called to more than just spectators. We are called to more than just fans, but that you have called us as your followers, as your sons as your daughters you have called us into your family and help us to see our identity in you and help us to know that we need each other that we need each other we desperately need each other to be built up and to have unity and maturity we need each other and help us to lean in together and as we do, we, we pray that you use us. We know that we live, that we sit right now in a community that is lost. We know that right now we sit in a community that needs to hear the good news of your son. We know that. We know that we sit in a community where probably right now across our parking lot, there are people sitting in homes that are broken and who need a community. We know these things. Help us to see them the way you see them. And we give you glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, would you stand with us as we continue in worship?